everybody. Welcome to the Tuesday Toolbox meeting of adult children of alcoholics in Cobble Hill, Brooklyn. My name is Ann. I'm a Tuesday Toolbox member and an adult child. We're recording our speakers every week because we're hoping others will benefit from hearing these stories from our members. We'd love to hear your comments and questions. Our email address is TuesdayToolboxACA at gmail.com. Adult Children of Alcoholics is a 12-step program of recovery for people who grew up in an alcoholic or otherwise dysfunctional home. If you'd like to find the meeting in your area, go to adultchildren.org and click on Find the Meeting. And I wanted to add on a personal note, I haven't created a podcast in a while because my mom died several weeks ago. And um, I just wanted to see because of this program, I really got to know my mom a lot better over the last few years. She had cancer um, and I really came to love and respect and appreciate her and I was a lot more honest with her and I really came to feel her love and appreciation and respect too and it turned out we had a lot more in common than we ever imagined and I feel a lot of peace and happiness with the way our relationship was at the end. And that is not the experience of everybody in this program. It's not always possible, but that was my experience. And I'm really grateful for that. And I wanted to share that with all of you. Um, this week we are hearing from our friend Mike, who spoke about how his relationship with his alcoholic dad growing up affected his relationships as an adult. It's a really great share that I'm sure a lot of you will relate to. Please enjoy. Thank you, um, Mike. Uh, recovering in this program. Hey, Mike. How are you doing? Uh, it's definitely a pleasure to be here. I haven't been here in a very, very long time. And um, it always feels great to come back here. Um, you know, it's interesting. Like, I have absolutely no idea what I'm going to say. And to be honest, like, I'm in another fellowship, and I always know you know, how to tell that qualification, you know, like to a T, right? Like I'm good at that one, but this program, uh, it's a little bit difficult for me to tell because it's a little bit more painful, yeah. you know? And uh, suffice to say that the other fellowship, I'm, I'm going on, I'm coming up on 17 years in that fellowship, right? And the thing is, in that fellowship, right, <clears throat> I became angry in the other fellowship even with a substantial amount of time, and I didn't understand why, right? And I felt like, you know, this fellowship, and I'm not, and this has nothing to do about the only fellowship, I'm just giving my experience and what happened to me. Um, you know, it's interesting, um, I think when I had about, I wanna say 12 years in the other fellowship, and I was living, I actually lived in uh, Prospect Park, I lived in Park Slope, and I remember I was going to the other fellowship and I was complaining about certain things about my family, about my dad particularly. I was complaining about my sister, I was complaining about my mother. And someone was like, Mike, you sound like, you know, you belong in ACOA. Right? And I got angry. I was resentful. I was like, who, how does she know that I belong in ACOA? And she was like, you know, just come to a meeting and if you like it, you know, um, see what happens. And so I ended up coming to a meeting, and um, when I got to this meeting, 
I heard so many things that made me cringe because I could identify. You know, um, I heard the laundry list. I heard I, we became addicted to excitement, stuff like that. I was like, wow, like I, I, I know exactly, you know, um, how that feels. And so how I really, really got here was that um, I was in a lot of these relationships, right? I was in a relationship with someone who, um, and I don't want to sound superficial, but she had all the check marks. Right? She had everything, you know, that, um, that I thought was important, right? The car, <laughs> you know, the apartment, the job. She was a TV news anchor, right? And, and I had all this stuff. And the thing was, she treated me like shit, like crap. The way she spoke to me, um, the expectations that she would set up for me that I could not meet, her demands, Right? Um, criticize, criticize me, like all of this stuff. And I stayed with this person for about a year. And I remember I started to have heart palpitations. Right? And in these heart palpitations, I remember, you know, I was talking to people about what was going on. And I was always saying, you know, she's driving me crazy. <laughs> right? And the funny thing was, I remember going to my doctor, and, my, do and my, my doctor, he's a pulmonary specialist, and I remember I said to him, I said, you know what, he, and this is when I was I had the heart palpitation checked out, and I, got, I go to him, I go, I got to go see this person after this. And he goes, is this the one that's giving you heart palpitations? And I go, yeah, but I got to go see her. <laughs> and he looked at me in awe. Like, he looked at me like, Listen to what you're saying. Like this person is basically like you're telling me about this person. She's giving you heart palpitations and you, you, you have to go see her. He's like, you don't have to go see her. You know that. And so when I left there, I didn't go see her. And I started going to therapy. And I remember I was talking to my uh, psychotherapist. And my psychotherapist, he looks at me and he goes, who does she remind you of? And I was like, I don't know. Isn't that what I pay you for? <laughs> and he's like, well, just, he just, he said, well, just let, let's, let's go through all the, you know, all the traits. He goes, who does she remind you of? And I'm like, I don't know. He goes, well, just think. And I guessed. I go, my dad? And he goes, bingo. He goes, now let's just look at the history. He goes, my dad was a raging alcoholic. Right, who basically stopped drinking, right? He still had the isms, right? He had the anger, he had the attitudes, um, he had all the stuff that <clears throat> made me afraid. Like I was always in fear. Like every time, like when he would come home, I, I felt like I had to walk on eggshells. Um, I would hide under the bed some days, right? And the only thing on the side of that was he's a monetary person. So I thought because, you know, he would, he would say, here, he would write me a check or he would give me something, he would give me gifts and stuff like that. Like, I didn't know this dynamic, this relationship was, like, dysfunctional, right? Like, I would literally have to be berated, screamed at, right? And then he would say, okay, now do you want that car? And so as I grew up in, into my adulthood, like, I would date people like that, 
right? I would date somebody who can basically berate me, criticize me, um, treat me like crap, right? And then there would be like a shiny object at the end of that. And I thought that was the way relationships went. And I remember I heard somebody at this meeting say, you know, um, relationships shouldn't be painful, right? Now, when they said that, like, I was like, really? <laughs> like, really? Like, relationships shouldn't be painful? Like, it's possible to really have, like, a relationship that, you know, that's loving, you know, um, where both parties can mutually respect each other, you know, where they're not fighting and, and screaming at the top of their lungs and trying to run away from each other. Like, I had no clue about that. You know, and so for me, like, it was the unmanageability and all my relationships followed suit from my father. It was just, it was the craziest thing when I really started to look at these relationships, you know, um, and just to look at, you know, me and his dynamic. And I'll never forget, you know, I was dating this girl one time. She was Jewish. And I remember I went to her house one day and it was, and, and I remember going to her house, right? And I was at her house and we were hanging out and she was like, listen, we're going to have dinner tonight. Right. And, and, you know, we're all going to have dinner. Right. So I'm like, all right, cool. And so we were waiting for her father to come home. Right. And so what happened was the father comes home. The mother's in the kitchen. She's making dinner. She's setting the table. Right. And she's like, OK, let's all have dinner. I'm like, what? Like, what do you mean? Like, so you mean like you actually sit down and have dinner together? And so the dad comes home, and he sits down, and we're all sitting at this dinner table. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, this has got to be some Jewish shit right here. Excuse me. I'm like, this, is, like, this can't be. Like this, is, has to, like, this only happens in Jewish households. This doesn't happen in anybody else's household. And so I'm really confused. I'm, I'm, like, I'm really confused. And the father, and the father, he's talking to the son, and the father, and the, and the son, she, he's like, you know, I want to buy a car. And he's like, you know, we can't afford a car right now, but let's put our heads together after dinner and we'll see how we can come up with the money for this car. And I'm freaking out. <laughs> I am literally freaking out. I don't know what's going on. I feel like I'm in a twilight zone and I'm sitting here and I'm just observing this whole interaction <laughs> with each other. And after, the, after dinner was over, I went to my girlfriend and I was like, do you do this every night? And she was like, yeah. Do you do this? And I was like, no, never. <laughs> ever, ever have done that in my entire life with my family. Like, we just didn't have that structure. Like, we hardly spoke to each other, right? Um, I always had to walk on eggshells because I was always afraid that I would do something, right, then have to be criticized for doing it, right? And so it was me, like, trying to avoid everybody in the house. <laughs> and so when I went back to therapy, my therapist was like, listen, like, you can't blame yourself for the relationships that you've had because you've had nothing to model off of, right? Like that was the only relationships that I knew was what happened in my household. So of course, right, when I got into a relationship with someone and we fought and we argued, I was like, yeah, well, this is what relationships are supposed to be about because I had nothing to model off of, right? And so the thing was, it was just a series of like me being in relationship with people treating me like crap. <clears throat> And when I got to ACOA, people were like, Mike, you know, yeah, you sh should be mad, <laughs> right? Because in the other fellowship, and it's just been my experience in the other fellowship, I felt like I was doing all of the apologizing. I was like, I'm sorry, 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 I'm sorry. But when I got here, they were like, no, like these things really did happen to you, 
right? And you have a right to own your feelings. Like, you have a right to be upset. You have a right to be angry. Like, you didn't get the love that you deserved, right? Like, I had to be my own loving parent at times. You know, I had a mother who drank all the time, you know? Like, I never knew what a curfew was until I got to live with my dad. I had no idea what a curfew was. At a very young age, I had no idea what a curfew was. You know, all I knew is that I was running in the streets. I used to live in Harlem, and um, we could go outside and basically stay outside as long as we wanted to, and I had no parental supervision. And so when my dad was like, listen, like, you know, I want you to come live with me because he had a big house, and he was like, listen, I want you to come live with me, so we ended up going there. And so I found out what a curfew was. But I had a dad who always worked, right? And so he was never there. So it was just basically me raising me. So I had no idea. I had no clue. When I heard people say, you know, I just wish they had the playbook. <laughs> like, I wish they had the manual. Like, yeah, this is how you do life. Like, I didn't have that, right? Like, I got that from coming to these meetings and then my other fellowship and learning how to basically um, have relationships in the world. Because this stuff that happened in my household and stuff that I grew up with, like, it played a part in every single relationship that I had ever been into, whether it was a job, whether it was a girlfriend, whether it was just, like, basic interaction, like, everything in, in a dysfunctional household, it, um, it played a part. And for me today, I have to say... Um, I'm very grateful for this fellowship. You know, um, it's changed my life. The people in these rooms have changed my life. And I just have to say, the reason why I'm back here, um, because there was a part of me that was like, okay, great. Like, this, this, I'm, I'm having good times in my relationships now, right? Like, everything started going good. And um, me and my dad, we got to be on good speaking terms. We started getting back together. And, um, and I have to share this. And the thing is, I've been an entrepreneur all my life. And um, how am I doing on time, by the way? Three I don't minutes? know. Three minutes? Okay, good. Um, I've been an entrepreneur all my life. And that was something that my dad was like, that's it. We don't do that in this family. You know, um, we go to school, we get educations, we get jobs, and then we work until we retire. And so you doing this whole entrepreneur thing, that's not what we do here. And so for a long time, um, I was criticized for that. <clears throat> And so finally, it was, I was being accepted in my family. Like, I make good money at doing what I do. Um, but to my family, it wasn't real work. I've been in the entertainment industry for a very long time. And so what happened was me and my dad, we started to have a relationship together, which I thought was great. And um, it happened. Christmas. It seemed like everything that he had wanted to say for the last 40 years that had been on this earth came out. Um, he said a lot of not nice things to me. And, um, and then my sister ganged up on me, too. And so I felt attacked. And so I had my whole entire family basically just, like, going after me. And um, I was trying to manage it um, in the other fellowship, which wasn't, for me, it wasn't really working. And I was like, I have to get back to ACOA um, because they understand you know, um, what it's like to be in a household where every, for me, it just felt like I was just being attacked from all angles, and I had no outlet, and that reminded me of when I was growing up as a child, and I had to hide under the bed, because my mother and father were fighting, and I had nowhere to go, I couldn't go anywhere, 
And, um, and so today, I'm here with a couple of friends, you know, um, going all in back into this fellowship. Um, because I don't like the way I feel inside. Even with 17 years in the other fellowship, I just don't like the way I feel inside. You know, um, because it makes me feel unlovable. And I know today I deserve better. And I know today I'm lovable. You know, which is something that this program gave me. It gave me the opportunity to say, Mike, you are lovable. And you deserve it. You deserve a good life. You know, and um, hopefully I help somebody. And, um, and that's it. So thank you. Thank you.